gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, we are back once again, episode number 28, or 29, I can't remember. (laughs) Today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing a uh, woman who has done a lot in life, but specifically a lot in the film industry, Miss Deborah Goodwin. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the show. Uh, for my guest, let me give you a little bit of background on Deborah. She's a writer and a filmmaker, was born in England, educated at Dawson College, went on to do a screenwriting fellowship at the American Film uh, Institute in LA, worked for NBC Universal Television. She was a diversity fellow, also worked at USA, CBS. Uh, she is actively now, now, currently she's an uh, adjunct lecturer at Brooklyn College teaching screenwriting. And she's actively developing a series called Justine to a Fault. And her next feature length narrative, uh, She Lives, which is through her, uh, her own, uh, imprint, Good Film New York, which I like because it's a little play on her name, Goodwin. Good Film, Goodwin. All right. So, <laughs> how are you, Deborah? I'm great. Excellent. Um, great Excellent. to be here. Excellent. Thank you for coming. So listen, let's, let's jump right in. Mm to the truth prescription um for those that are listening for the first time the premise of the show is that all successful people no matter their industry have had to go through and deal with certain truths and it was accepting those truths that allowed them to break past those barriers and move forward in their life so deborah do you choose a professional truth or or personal truth i'll let you choose I'll go with professional first. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> we'll warm up. <laughs> Listen, we got to go out on a date first before we can get married, right? All right. Uh, okay. So, so tell us, tell us a story. Um, uh, you know, something in your professional life that, uh, you know, that you sort of were able to look at, I guess, in the, in the moment and realize, Listen, this is something I've been ignoring over time. I think today's the day I'm going to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> or, or now's the time I'm going to deal with this. Well, but keep it very story-based. Tell the listeners yeah, a story. I think um, actually, you know, sometimes uh, I think the saying is some people only need one brick to hit them in the head, um, <laughs> but some people need the whole building to fall in them. <laughs> um, so I sometimes feel that way. Interesting. Um but actually, I think probably my second film, my second feature was um, a real learning curve in terms of, of trying to understand myself as a director. I think mm. when you make your first movie, you are just trying to make a movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's exciting and it's yeah. terrifying and you're just trying to get through it. Yes. Um, and then I think on your second feature, you get to explore who you are as a director. Yeah. Um, or as a writer, um, and, and you are both, or both. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, you know, I did have a, a kind of, you know, p- I would say a pretty striking moment of of understanding something when we were cutting my second feature, and mm. my producer, one of my producers, who's wonderful, um, and 
it works on billions now and produces billions. Oh, cool. Um, great and show. And it's a terrific, yes, terrific show. And he is a great on-the-ground producer and mm. a pretty genius post-production um, What's his name? Let's give him a person. shout out. Yes, Michael Harrop. Hey, Michael. Also Canadian, Mike Harrop. Um, anyway, it was somewhere in the rough cut process, which is always a little painful where you yeah. realize that you're missing stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and missing scenes, yeah, missing lines. Things, things are there not... Was, somebody's shoe was in the shot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's also a time where you can get really bold about the choices that you're making. And I yeah. think when you've been cutting it for a while and you're looking at it over and over and people are, you know, you're getting different notes. Um, we started showing it, you know, mm. to uh, some rough cut audiences. That's always super helpful. Mm. Um, but really it was kind of a moment in terms of pacing and things that the audience said, you know, I'm with it. Up to this point. And then I feel like I didn't get that backstory. Ironically, a backstory that <laughs> I had written originally. And everyone said, no, 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 we don't need that. Um, this but is, in, you're talking about for the pastor? Yes. Okay. And right. so we ended up going back in and shooting another 10 minutes worth of wow. um, footage. And that... It, for me, it was a real vote of confidence from the producers um, and also from the financiers to go back and do this and feel like, yes, we can nail it if we get this stuff. Okay. Um, so that was very challenging. But then we went back in to edit those things and the movie had really changed. Mm. Um, because I think, of the new things that you right. shot. Okay. And so there was a kind of a tonal shift and just a feeling that, I was at sea. I, I, I was looking at it and I'm sort of like, I don't know what this movie is anymore. And my editor was like, wow. you kind of really need to figure it out because, you know, we don't have a lot of time to finish wow. cutting it. Yeah. And basically, um, I just remember Mike being very, um, clear that this was my decision. Mm. You know, like he couldn't tell me, do this, do that. You know, he could, but right. that I really needed to go away and own whatever it was we were going to do. And I remember going out of the, um, you know, the edit bay where we were. And, and actually, I think, um, Dee Reese was cutting there also. So it felt like a very, oh. you know, lucky place, you know, what was harbor. she cutting? Mudbound? Um, no. I, th no, no, no it was, was the Queen Latifah project. Oh, okay. Okay. I can't remember what that was called. Um, D. Reese isn't for those who don't know, which you should know, if, unless you've been under a rock. Really? D. <laughs> D. Reese is a, a great uh, uh, up-and-coming uh, female director. But mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And so, you know, it just felt like a great place to be. There was a lot of interesting work going on in different rooms. And I remember walking down the hallway, and it's a lovely place, Harbor Pictures, if you decide to edit there. Um, okay. And I went down <laughs> to the water and I just remember sort of falling apart for about mm. 10 minutes and then really being like, this is a great opportunity to really observe myself as a director mm. rather than as Deborah Goodwin, who is tired and doesn't know what she's doing anymore. And, has, you know, sure. it really, it resonated with me that he said this this is on you to figure out, you know, wow. and you'll figure it out. Like, yeah. goodbye, click. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay, this is what you do. You put your, you know, big girl, big girl pants. pants on right. and you go back in there and you sit down and you figure this out. 
Wow. And it was part of the process of stripping away things that are not about the movie. Mm. You know, it's like, okay. are we serving the story? Got are it. we serving the movie to the best of our ability? Or are we holding on to little things that we just love because we love them and they really don't have any place mm. in this story anymore? Wow. Um, and that's, that's what happened. Wow. The beginning that I had written, that I had envisioned, that I had spent a lot of time in, this has to be the way the movie opens, out. <laughs> and oh, wow. it was a complete, um, wow. you know, reset of that, of that opening, which was better story serving and, you know, and not the thing that I had hung on to through each iteration wow. of it. So I think part of it is, is knowing when to, when to let yourself let go, you know, mm. when to allow yourself to be like, I am okay with moving on from this yeah. thought or this thing that I've become very attached, attached to. to. So detachment. Yeah. Interesting. And, and detachment, I think, serves you well in this business. It's very, it's very, it's very Buddhist of you. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm observing you had to strip away almost like a part of yourself in order to strip away the film. So it's a, sort of an interesting contrast, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, you, it is you, you know, especially yeah. if you, if you write it. Yeah. Um, it's totally you. It's yeah. your words. It's you. If you're a writer and director, that is like your film. I mean, it's your words, it's your shots, it's your direction, your lighting. Like it's, yeah, that's, it's powerful. Wow. But part of that, who are you is who are you in collaboration with everyone else sure. who does what they do. Sure. And I think that's where the letting go part is because you can hold up the entire process, mm. you know, by hanging on to something that maybe it's okay to let it go. You know, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking about like, I, we had spoke before that I'm working on something I'm right. shooting in two weeks yeah, and I've got this shot that I want so bad, but it's like, it's going to take a lot of time to set up and we have only got 10 hours and I'm like, you know, well, don't start do, letting go before you're off. <laughs> do I need I'm to let go? Recommending that. <laughs> no, go, hang on, hang go. on until frozen, you, frozen. until it's, you know, yeah. Until it's clear yeah. that this is not working. How long, let me ask you, how long was the, the first cut? The first rough cut approximately? Um, I think it was about 85, 85. Yeah. And then the final movie. And the final movie comes out to about 82. We oh, had like oh, a 78 okay. version. And then we, that was actually an interesting process too, because we had, my editors was very talented, but also had it, we had sort of fallen into a rhythm with it. The way that it was cut, it was very cutty. It was very quick, you know? Okay. And there was a point where we got notes to sort of, you know, it needs to be this long, you know, oh. for the distributor. Okay. Um, Interesting. And so that meant going back in and massaging some of these scenes and sort of stretching some stuff. But also it meant taking the pace back to the pace that it had been shot at, which mm. was a much more European, let's say, rhythm, okay. you know, yeah. um, longer, deposits, more, you know, time in shots. And I realized that that actually, through going through that process, actually made me more aware that, that that's how I 
see it really yeah, and yeah. that we had gone this other way because it felt expedient and well let's just you know and so it had a kind of frenetic energy that I didn't okay. want it to have you know that it was more it was a slow burn sort of you know I kept calling it a modern western you know that it, so in order for it to really have that it couldn't have that zip zip pace that we had acquired through kind of it just happens, you know. Yeah. You get in rhythm with the direct, with the editor, and you and you can develop strange, um, you know, a kind of cohesion that may not actually serve the story, story. again. Right, you know, right, so right. It, I think there's a lot of moments where you can derail yourself in um, in the whole process, and so mm. it's it's so much about staying in the moment, staying yeah. with it, staying. Mm. Take going away from it when you are no longer, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I get rising it. above the the cacophony. Um, all of that. It's fascinating. It is. I mean, how could you not love doing it? It's it's fascinating. It is fascinating. No, it is absolutely. Um, okay. So let's. You ready for the personal now? Did we warm okay. up? Okay. Did, did we? Did we think, how, how'd the first date go? Is I think. Right? I think we're there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So talk to us about a personal personal truth story. You can be as uh, as detailed or not detailed as you want. It is personal, um, but give to, you know give the people something that uh, they can hold on to. Um, I think. Probably I had a very disappointing experience with my, my real first feature. People who know that I had written this script about my, you know, that was very autobiographical. Okay. And, um, the script had won best screenplay at Urban World and it had been a really tough kind of, um. Cherries, right? Cherries. Cherries. Yes. cherries. Okay. And it was about, you know, three generations of women. Um, and it was, you know, a black family mm. in Queens and the daughter was, you know, struggling with her identity and with her sexuality. And the, the three generations of women did not get along for various reasons. And they really had to resolve these grudges and differences in order to move forward. Um, so it was very personal and mm -hmm. it was not the favorite. Um, to win Urban World, there was actually a much more commercial script. I think it was, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was sort of, um, like, um, uh, I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> did it eventually um, get made? Do you think? I, I don't think it did. Okay. Um, but I'm sure that, I'm sure that writer went on to write because they were, it was clever, but it was, you know, it was, it was a sort of a take on a Shakespeare, um, play and I can't remember which one. Okay. Um, but Spike Lee's sister was actually on the uh, on the jury. Okay, and that's why I remember this because we were in my producer and I were in the car going to the um, you know the event for for announcing these things. And this woman got in our taxi. She just kind of it was like she hailed the taxi and didn't realize people were in it. But she was going to the festival, so she just got in and she's okay. with us in the back of the car. And she's like. Oh, you know, I'm so and so, and who are you? And I said, I'm Deborah Good. And she said, Oh my God. She's like, You won. And I was like, What? <laughs> what? <laughs> she's wow. like, You won. 
you won. Wow. She's like, yeah. She, and that's, we were just cold. kind of wow. freaking out. Like right. we were like, first of all, she shouldn't be telling us right. <laughs> if it's true, you know. And my producer was kind of like, we can't believe this. We right. just need to stay chill. You know, right, right, right. right. But she was like, no, it, I heard the whole argument. <laughs> you know, like she was just very wow frank with this whole. This wasn't moment. Spike Lee's sister. This was somebody no, no, else. No, no, no. Okay. But she was saying, you know, they were out in the hallway, like screaming and going, no, it should be this way. No, it should be. And that oh, wow. she felt that, you know, she I had really, you know, stuck up for this project. <laughs> we were sort of like, <laughs> okay. But it was like this weird fairy godmother moment. Yeah. Then she gets out of the cab and runs off into the, I literally never saw her again, you know? Wow. Um, and, and then we did win. Um, so that kind of launched a interest mm. in the script that hadn't been there because it was a black nice. cast. And sure. so, you know, everyone was sort of like, that's nice. What else do you have? Mm. Um, what year was that? Was that 2011? This was remember. no. This was 2001. 2001. This was okay, like the ago. second Training Urban it. World yeah. Film Festival, right? Wow. <laughs> and um, Lee Daniels was there with his, you know, first movie. Wow. And, you know, so it was it was kind of an exciting. It was like there's a black film festival. Yeah. You know? yeah. Wow. Like <laughs> that was just sort of in itself something. Um, but anyway, it got option based on that win and a wonderful cast was assembled i mean like a really truly amazing cast oh no um eartha kit i don't like the way this story is jr and you know um there was you know so it was a wonderful cast and we could not finish the financing to get it off the ground wow and things you know things die on the vine and that was my first experience of that and it was really devastating um and that was a huge turning point in my life because that really was when i sort of said okay i'm going to i have to pick myself up i have to write something for myself to direct i have to you know just to keep exercising this feeling of of a creating and be having some measure of control because at least if it's you that is responsible for it not happening it's a little less painful than feeling like somebody else held the reins you know were they going to let you direct that that original sherry's yes wow yeah which you know in and of itself was a, you know, and there was a, oh, yeah, in 2001? Many, many very oh, talented yeah. people came to it. The script just had a real, it had, you know, something for people. You know, mm. it, it felt, um, it felt very cherished. And the women who cast it, um, who also cast, uh, Maria Full of Grace and Real Women Have Curves. And so they were very invested in because they really brought their A game to bringing these people on board. And, um, and they were really devastated. Like mm. for years, I wouldn't <laughs> run into them. They'd yeah. be like, cherries, cherries. You know? <laughs> um, so it was just one of those projects that you wonder, you know, will you ever revisit? People ask me yeah. about it all the time. I don't know that I will. It sounds like, you know, it could be a television series today. Exactly. You yeah. know, now it would not even be, you yeah. know, that much of a stretch. It's yeah. just, you know, that was a time when that just was not the thing people were financing. Wow. So that was a big shift. 
Okay. In my perspective, and also in my realization that I needed to have other things that I loved about this business other than just the win, you know, mm. because you're not always going to win. Okay. So the truth, your truth was what? What, 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 was, what was the truth that you gleaned? I think it was you can be devastated and move on. You okay. can have something end and you can start over. Yeah. There's no, you are in charge of you. So your creative life is not measured by other people's validation or money or accolades. It really is down to you and your struggle with yourself to produce better work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. Which which transitions us nice and smoothly into my first question. Excellent. <laughs> Number one. Um, so talk to us about sort of being a female director and sort of all the challenges and benefits that come from that, especially now. I think it is definitely a moment of excitement. Mm -hmm. um, and I encourage people to seize it <laughs> because, you know, it, it also, the flavor of the month moves on. Um, but I do, I do feel that a parody in this business is coming, whether mm. people want to believe that or not. Okay. Um, my experience personally has actually always been extremely positive. Okay. I've had a lot of male support, um, you know, and female support. Yeah. Um, I've never really honestly felt that being a woman was a hindrance to mm. me moving forward. Other things, you know, um, have felt like, you know, you're hemmed in, but reality is reality. You know, the amount of opportunities, the, f the ability for you to get to certain levels or to get through certain doors, those challenges are real. Yeah. I mean, I never, um, didn't think that those existed or felt like, la, 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 my life is going so well, and I'm, <laughs> I have access to everything that a male director would have. Um, but I guess what I always felt also is that I always had allies and support and encouragement along the, the way of that. Um, I really think that respect is it. You know, mm -hmm. people either respect you or they don't respect you. Okay. My, a good, uh, wonderful, um, she's really, I think, a, a very good directing um, coach and also a director herself mm. and um, part of the organization that I belong to, Film Fatal, which is for, um, you know, a collective of women directors. And, you know, she was sharing this story about how, you know, she just, you know, as she's negotiating a directing contract for herself and saying, you know, but I just, I want them to like me. I don't, I don't, and, mm. you know, I feel like they don't, you know, and her advocate was like, if they're offering you a, you know, this kind of deal, they, they already they like don't you. like you. So <laughs> don't <laughs> oh, worry about being liked. You don't worry about, you know, getting what you need. And so I feel that that moment has come now. What, what's that person's name? Let's give her a shout out. Um, Adrian Weiss. Adrian Weiss. Hi, Adrian. Um, I feel like that that moment has definitely come where it is about um, asking for you know what you really need mm. and 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 not waiting around to hear 
maybe, I don't know, we're not sure, mm. you know, creating those opportunities, yeah. creating the opportunities for other people as well. Oh, yeah, I think important. there is a big, you know, um, a, you know, a perception that if there's only, you know, three women directors that are getting jobs, then that's it. You know, mm. no other women can have, you know, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, one thing that Film Fatal has proven and some of the other lists that are out there now, the director's list, which has gathered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names of women, Film Fatal has a huge database of women, you know, so if someone says now, well, I can't find a female director, yeah, we'd love to hire women, but bogus. we just can't find them. Yeah. It's like, mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, poppy, poppy squat. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so in that sense, I feel like the transparency and parody, these things are are occurring. Okay. Um, but it's it's challenging. It's challenging for men to get jobs. Yeah. You know, it's doubly challenging for women of color to get these mm. you know positions now in terms of this is like a separate question but in terms of negotiating salary right mm. i thought that if you're a member of the dga directors guild that they they basically have already sort of pre uh preset certain guidelines and i if i think if i read correctly it's supposed to be 10 percent of the budget of the film mm -hmm. so i mean i'm sure that people get more than that but I mean, if the, if salary set, salary set. So where's the negotiation coming? Well, number one, there's always a negotiation. Okay. There's there's minimums. There's things they must pay you at okay. the very least. Okay. Um, also, getting into the DGA <laughs> itself is quite challenging. Yes. Um, so <laughs> that <tried>. criteria <laughs> and trying to meet that criteria and yeah. and work enough to be part of the DGA um, in order to get the union jobs. That, so that's a whole other podcast, Got I'd it. say. Okay. However, we can do that one. yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> the culture of maleness in the DGA has been a huge, you know, Issue. obstacle to yeah. I was talking to a, a female casting director and she was telling me that the DGA even has a problem with them using the word director in casting director. Yes. <laughs> which is so yes. hilarious that, and yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, there's a wonderful documentary yeah. about that, actually. Yeah? Which... What's the, the name title, of it? The title escapes. Okay. But we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, okay. Um, talk a little bit of, you know you're you're a professor now yeah two semesters in congratulations mm -hmm. thank you teaching in my uh, my borough of birth brooklyn yes. um you teach screenwriting tell us tell the people what what makes a good writer mm. i think one thing is empathy mm. um don't expect yes it's a good one i think if you're able to relate to other people's circumstances you can always find a way into a story mm. that can be very original mm. and, and authentic. I don't, you know, we always, you know, struggle with this originality. What is that? How, you know, everything's <laughs> been told, but everything hasn't been told. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things just to circle back to the women, but in the director's chair is that you're going to see a different kind of story. You're going to see yeah. a different perspective. And by the way, it's, you know, more than half the world's perspective that's yes. kind of been missing from the cultural, is true. you know, conversation. Um, 
So that to me is quite fascinating. But even, and I'm no, I'm not going to say even. Robert McKee, who certainly has been the you know the god of structure. Yes, that's the um, that's the hero's journey guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but more than that, he really gave a language to 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 the industry okay. to be able to talk to each other about stories in a smart and in-depth way. I think, you know, that was a tremendous boon because before that you would hear, you know, the most uh, convoluted and sort of disjointed ways of giving notes because mm -hmm. people were searching for this way to talk about these things that he... You know, he's not the only one, certainly, but certainly a, a very present voice in, in, in that way. He, you know, I, I do follow him on social media. We were just talking oh, about cool. how I don't follow anyone. But I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, and he was talking about how this year the shape of story was very female, was you know mm -hmm. that it that it he would venture to say that it stepped away from this very male architecture of the three act or the five act and into a one act story mm. that really is an emotional journey so it's really guided by the inner evolution of the character um and that even you know something like florida project which is you know written and directed by by men had that female energy I had because it was led by a, a female character uh, and the shape of water and a yeah. fantastic woman. And, you know, all of these stories are, are internal hero or heroine um, journeys and that that is kind of the future. Yeah. And I think if we're going to talk about the female future of story, that is very much um, a part of that is recognizing that circumstances don't drive everything mm. about a character. Yeah. And so yeah. I think good writing <clears throat> comes from that place of, you know, empathy. Yeah. And some of the best women's stories have been written by men. Why? Because they were able to relate to Got the it. character, yeah. not just as a female, but as a person. Mm. So it's almost like uh, writing from the inside out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the other question is what makes a bad writer, which is the opposite. Okay. So we'll move <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about, um, you're a Buddhist, practicing Buddhist. I am. Um, I'll do my uh, Tina Turner, Nam Yoring. <laughs> That's right. Impression. Um, <laughs> talk about the religion um, and why you chose it and what principles do you use to sort of help smooth the way. Mm. in your life um, and before you answer that question is your, does your husband also practice he does fantastic okay um <clears throat> i would say that my mother who passed away in 2003 um had really explored every possible avenue um during our childhood you know she was very she was very uh curious about every religion and she had grown up um uh, Christian, but mm -hmm. she, you know, and she married a Jew. So she, <laughs> you know, she, I think that seeking spirit, that looking for what is going to, you know, um, sort of help form a philosophy or, or some, a guide, 
yeah. you know, daily life guy. Sure. Um, and so she started practicing Buddhism, Sokogakai International, SGI, um, for short. And she started practicing Buddhism at a time when our relationship was very rocky and we You were, and mom. Yes. Interesting. Okay. And we were not speaking. And she had moved to Paris and she had become a Buddhist. And she'd become a lot of things during my childhood. So when she told me she was a Buddhist, I was like, whatever. Um, and then when she came back to New York, she said, you know, I'd really like to have dinner with you and I'd, mm. I'd like you to see, um, you know, the scroll that we have in, in this Buddhism, which is enshrined in your house. And mm. that's where you chant. It's your altar. Okay. She said, I really want you to see my altar. And so I was like, and what, now was yeah. this the first time that you guys had spoken in a while? Yeah. So yeah. It's interesting. So she took the first step. Yes. And it was very kind of entering her world, you know, and, and yeah. So there was a lot of trepidation about it. Of course. And, but when I came in and I saw the altar and I saw the scroll inside it, um, there's something just clicked. And mm. I had had no interest in practicing. I had met other people, other actors, other people I'd worked with who mm. had said, oh, you know, you should try Buddhism. You should try chanting. And I'd be like, no, thanks. <laughs> um, so it's interesting how you keep running into something yeah. in your life yep. and you're kind of not so interested. And then suddenly, you know, I think partly because it was my mother and she certainly, we had our problems, but she certainly understood me on a level that no one else did. Sure. Um, and I think she could tell that I was kind of, I was at a weird place where yeah. I think I could have gone a lot of different ways. And I'm happy that I was able to find something that really helped me know myself, number one. Number two, develop more strength of character. Mm. Um, more compassion, mm. um, especially for myself, because okay. I think I was very hard on her and on myself. And that became very apparent as I started practicing. Um, and perseverance. That was really, I used to give up really easily. Interesting. You know, something didn't mm. work out. It was like, you know, mm. fine. It's not meant for me. Fine. You know, <laughs> so I was a big lever, you know, yeah. this isn't working. I'm out of here. Um, and Buddhism trained me to stick around and find out how something could improve, mm, you know. Sure. I mean, if you sit, I think the act of chanting itself is sort of, yeah. it's not only meditative, but it's, um, it's a process of patience. Yes. Because you're there, you're present, you're going through your process over and over and yes. over with no expectation of a, you know, goal or solution. It's just right. being. It's interesting. And, and that translates into your life, right? Because as, particularly as a director, you go through and you really never know how something's going to come out. But in the meantime, let's have fun. Exactly. <laughs> you know? In the meantime, let, you know, you, we talk in Buddhism in, in Buddhism about human revolution. Mm -hmm. And I think I like that so sort of the rigorousness of that term because it feels like, yeah, you're going to excavate. You're going to mm. dig deeper. Mm. Mm. Things aren't going well. You don't just bail. You dig deeper yeah. and you find value in what mm. you're experiencing and also what you can create for other people. I think creating value on set, I'm a huge believer nice. of that. That's nice. So, what, tell me some of the ways you create value on set. 
I try to be there first also with the crew, even if I'm called later, try to be at there when the crew gets there because okay. I feel like that's, um, you know, kind of a bow of respect to mm. their, um, you know, efforts. Yeah. Um, I think also trying to acknowledge, you know, things mm. that are being done well, small things during the day that you can just say, Hey, good job or thanks yeah. for that. Or, yeah. you know, not, constantly make people feel like they are behind in your expectations mm. um trying to value people's opinions like really seriously getting opinions from everybody about yeah. something ultimately you're gonna make the decision sure but i don't see anything wrong with opening it up you know sometimes when there's a problem it's great to hear yeah everybody chime in about it not just only you can talk only you know? right um interesting yeah and, you know, time, managing time so that people can get back to their families or get back to their lives or get back That's to whatever true. they're doing. Yeah. Um, because I do feel like that is, um, you know, that's a kind of tyranny of the spirit when you're mm. always being kept, you know, there. Over. And it's always like, who cares about you as long as we get this shot? shot. Now, yeah. if you've respected them through the, you know, the the monster part then when you do have that time where you need everybody to kick in and stay they're usually pretty happy to do it yeah maybe i wouldn't use the word happy but they're, uh, <laughs> they're accepting able, they're accepting they're able to do it without <laughs> begrudging <laughs> yes interesting yeah you know um when we started this is uh, my second year doing this podcast mm -hmm. and um i had this whole grand idea of having this new this new um intro i had made because i do music as well i made this wow. whole musical intro and i was excited and i was like all right we're gonna do this and so but i wasn't i was like 90 percent sure i wasn't 100 percent sure so i sent it out to genie i sent it i let my wife listen to it i let a couple of my buddies listen to it and everybody was like keep the whole intro <laughs> 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 and I didn't really take it personally, mm. but I, because I know that, you know, we're going, our ultimate goal is to have a great show yeah. and everything that goes into it, you know, from the interviews to the guests, to the, the music, to the fonts, it's all important. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I took it into consideration. So that was, that was, that was, that was, that was my bow to them. <laughs> I hope, I hope they, they understood that that was a bow. I wasn't being a dictator anyway. All right. Let's move on to uh, yes or BS. Oh, uh, are you yes. ready? I'm <laughs> ready. You're ready. Okay. Number one. <laughs> there is more diversity now in TV and film than ever before. I think that's true. Okay. I don't think we need to expound. <laughs> Number two. A real, somebody told me this recently, mm. so I want to see what your take is. A real director needs to move to L.A. No. <laughs> that, that, I think, it well, I don't know about a real director, whatever that means. Um, but I do think there, there was, you know, there were not the opportunities that there was, you know, in Los Angeles. Now that's really not true. Okay. Okay. So you, you feel like there's, there's parity on both sides, on both coasts. Yes. Okay. Cool. Number three. Story is more important than budget. Hmm. I don't know what that means. That that <laughs> is a very strange thing to me. Of course, story is important. Mm -hmm. Story is everything. However, there are you will encounter <clears throat> limitations. You will encounter challenges mm -hmm. in 
making that story possible. Are you always going to have the budget that you needed? No. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if, you know. My point is, let's say you mm. have an amazing story, amazing yes. trip. Like, let's take Sherry's, right? Right. Sherry's is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody, you can't get the financing, but you know what? You could get uh, uh, some middle of the road cinematographer with a DSLR to shoot it. Right. Is it the same as the story that was fully, would it be the same as if it was fully produced or fully, fully funded? As the, the question is, is, is the right. story more important than the visuals and the, and the, and the gloss um, that these high budget productions, like if you take a Black Panther and you mm -hmm. make it for a hundred thousand versus, you know, 200 million. Then it's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say. Okay. I think, you know, I think story is dictated first by your imagination and your your passion and okay. your vision but then it's dictated by what can you achieve how can you um execute and some stories have to be executed at a at a certain level you can't make dunkirk for a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> you know right. like you just can't right even if chris nolan shot it himself <laughs> And played every role. <laughs> so, you know, there's like reality and then there's, you know, your. Yeah. So y your answer is it's BS. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> number four. You cornered me. <laughs> uh, number four. Speaking of Black Panther, the superhero genre has been overdone. Hmm. I don't know. I think. I I love a good superhero movie. Mm. I think it hasn't been overdone. I think it's been underdeveloped. It's been mm. underserved. Okay. We haven't had the kind of superheroes that people really need. Mm. Okay. Um number five no. Number six. Yeah, number six. Writing is more technical than creative. No. That's BS. It. Yeah, big time. Okay. <laughs> Number seven. Ah, this is an interesting one. Let me say so myself. <laughs> Opportunities for women in, in the film industry is an effect of the Me Too movement. No, that's ridiculous. BS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That doesn't even dignify a BS. That's just no that's answer. That's just no, no answer. answer. <laughs> I like it. Number eight. <laughs> Uh, writing is easier than directing. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, writing's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Mm. Um, <clears throat> no. They are different. They're difficult in different ways. Okay. Okay. Um, that's it. Mm. <laughs> that's that's all ones. I have. That's all I have. Pretty good. Um, Deborah, this was fun. It was super fun. Thank this you. This was great. You, I, I, the, you know, you you dropped some knowledge bombs on us. <laughs> I, I'm really appreciative. Um, I, I feel like a second podcast needs to happen at some point down the line. We'll, 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 we'll give some space, to. some space and time in between. But um, I'm sure you, you you have a lot more to to bless us with. Um, Deborah, tell the people uh, how they can reach you or find out more information about your upcoming work or things that you're working on. 
Um, I'm on the filmfatal.org website, okay. which is also a wonderful place to find other women directors That's if right. you are looking for women directors. Okay. I'm also on Facebook as Good Film oh, okay. and on awesome. Twitter as Good Film okay. um, and on Instagram as Goodwin.Debra. Good? Oh, Just wow. You're on myself. Instagram. I am. Do you post often? <laughs> she looked up and looked away and made a high pitched noise. So I guess that means sort of. I post a lot of dog pictures. <laughs> no, I I try to you know get you, things out when things okay. are happening. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. Excellent. Well, that's all I have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And as I always say, the truth will set you free if you let it.